HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on today's show, actually, I'm joining them. It's kind of a both and situation. So I've got Chase and Sheldon that are hopping on the show with me. I am also hopping on their show. So we are dual recording this for the Nomadic Outdoorsman and for their podcast, Panoramic Outdoors. It's going to be fun. I really don't know what to expect on this one. So I think we should probably just jump into the conversation. I mean, we're going to talk about everything from what I'm doing down here in the U.S., what they're doing up there in Canada, and gosh, it could get wild in a hurry, but I'm excited. So let's jump in. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys. So I know that last year was kind of a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers, but that's why we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Now, Go Wild is a free social community that was built by outdoors men and women just like me and you. Not only are your photos not censored on Go Wild, they're actually encouraged. And they give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn those points, you can unlock awesome rewards like gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Check this out, though. If you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So go visit DownloadGoWild.com. To get started. Real quick, before we jump into the show, I just wanted to apologize. I know that I said I was going to be at Go Wild and Black Rifle Coffee Company's event, Send It Slam, and I really did everything I could. I was planning on being there, but due to my wife being pregnant, she started feeling pressure, uh, had an appointment, and was actually starting to dilate. I just did not feel right about heading out of state while she's this close. So I missed out on it. I was definitely having FOMO, which is not a word that I use lightly. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I just found out what that word meant. Um, yeah, I, it was a bummer. Like seeing everybody having a good time there, shooting, watching the O2 guys showing up, um, seeing Braden and all the posts that Go Wild was doing. It was an event that I've been looking forward to for a long time. And so I definitely regret not making it, and if you went there hoping to meet up, hang out, anything like that, I really, truly do apologize for not catching up with you guys, or I tried to fill you in a little bit. I posted on social media, but if you didn't see that and are just now hearing about it, that is why I wasn't there. So enough about that. Let's jump into today's show. So everyone listening to this podcast is probably like, who the heck is this guy on Dan's podcast with Nomadic Outdoorsman? And everyone listening from our podcast, probably like, oh, it's just Shelly is finally back from his hiatus for the last three months. But this is a different podcast episode. It's actually 
I think it's gonna be pretty sweet. We got Dan Matthews from Nomadic Outdoorsman uh, on one end, and Chase on the other. Hey guys. Hey, how's it going? Yo. Right on. So yeah, like I said, it's uh it's kind of a different uh, format on how we're doing a podcast. He's gonna record his end. We're gonna record our end, and we're gonna launch it on our own platform. So hopefully, some of you guys that are listening uh, from the ma- Nomadic side of things can come check us out. Anybody that's listening to us can go and check out Matt. Um, Dan's podcast and nomadic outdoorsman. I'm already fumbling my words. So I'm going to start off with the five burning questions to ask Dan. He's probably smiling right now. I can see him. He is smiling. But my first question for you, Dan, is that if you had one last meal, what would you have and what would you pair it with, with a drink? Oh man, that's good. Uh, I'm going to go chicken and waffles, chicken and waffles, chicken and waffles with maybe a little bit of spicy batter on the chicken <laughs> with some like burble maples bourbon maple syrup Ooh, and nice. then as far as the drink man maybe just a good glass of whiskey nice nice i never understood chicken and waffles i don't think it's like really a dish up here in manitoba unless chase you can correct me if i'm wrong but chicken and waffles reminds me of like poutine up in canada like it's just like something we'd i don't normally eat but i think if i went down south i'd definitely have to try because everyone talks about it hey definitely. I, I hadn't tried it until i was like 28 years old i'd never oh, yeah. had it and i tried it for the first time and now we make it every single year on christmas eve oh nice yeah nice. i think it's definitely uh more popular in the south but uh there are a few restaurants in winnipeg that that have it on the menu so We'll have to take you out one day, Shelly, and, and uh, yeah, get your wings on her. Yeah, well, you have to get your your wallet out, which would be really weird. <laughs> I know. Yeah, usually I leave that one at home. So, do you guys answer these questions also? I feel like you should, since it's kind of a split podcast. This, there you go, Dan Matthews with the curveball to the podcast. Here we go. I like it already. I like how this is going already. Shelly, you, you better go, start. Or? You better start. Me? Yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking about this one a little bit a couple of days ago. And, uh, and like my, uh, my options kind of change once in a while. And I, I'm like, I really enjoy food a lot. And there's a, there's a lot of foods that, that could be on this list. You know what I mean? Can I stop you for one second? Yeah. I just want to give Dan a heads up that when you do ask Chase questions, <laughs> it becomes like a fishing story. So this will take him probably. <laughs> Yeah. Eight to 11 minutes. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't bore you to death. But, uh, man, I uh, I guess like a, a solid go-to is always always a good steak and like some piece of seafood with that. And then either wash it down with some either nice red wine or a beer. Some cold beer would be good. Shelly, what, what kind of beer would you like? A heavy beer or like a couple Bud Lights so you can just drink quick? I don't like. I'm not a big Bud Light fan, but probably probably like. A, well, you know what I mean, like a light beer or like a craft beer. No, probably like a, a Keith's or a Lab Bass Blue or something. Right, one of them. Man, when yeah, you my- said when you said seafood and steak and a fine red wine, I was like, wow. This guy is classy. Like <laughs> I'm over here saying chicken and waffles and bourbon and Dude. 
Yeah, you you one up to me for sure. Let's well let's let's do uh, a steak and seafood and chicken waffles and bourbon and red wine night one night. Just all together, we'll <laughs> yeah. do another. We'll do a live podcast and they'll just watch us eat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. YouTube video <laughs> for sure. My, I've actually answered this question quite a few times because I always ask it around the campfire when I'm hanging out with family and friends just to keep the conversation going. But mine's, uh, yeah, medium rare steak or rare steak, um, beef steak, Caesar salad, um, pierogies with bacon and onions. And then I have an angel food cake for dessert. I'm fat too, so I get, <laughs> this is going to go for a little bit. Uh, angel food cake with, for dessert with like fresh um, fruit. And then for a drink, I always, this is always a toss up. I really like like a cold glass of milk, but if it wasn't that, it'd probably be like an ice cold beer out of like a frosty mug and like a pint, like a big one. Yeah. Schooner. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not a pint a schooner. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm going to throw in cheesecake. Cause I didn't even think about dessert in that. I just thought about like the main course, but yeah, I yeah. love cheesecake, salted caramel cheesecake. Oh, nice. That's a good one. It's really a no holds bar when it comes to that question, really. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you did say you've answered this. So you had like 15 different items <laughs> that you had ready to roll. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Not trying to one up anyone, but I'm pretty sure my meal rocks. <laughs> yeah. You got question number two ready to go? Oh, there, no, Sean? I thought you were going. Sorry, I'm very not prepared oh, for no, this. No, I can, I can do one. I can do one for sure um dan i'm not too sure how big of a music man you are but if you had uh one last concert to go to you could see anyone alive or dead who would you go see Ooh, that's good alive or dead i don't know i feel like the beatles would be pretty sweet to see mm -hmm. i mean it's just like classic mm -hmm. and I feel like any beatles song could come on and i probably know the words to it even though i've never had a record or an album or anything it's just such an iconic thing it's like it's like watching a great football team or basketball team or hockey team play like watching one of the greats i feel like i feel like the beatles would be pretty sweet to watch that's true man i never even thought about that before about like how you probably know the song the the lyrics to most of their songs and i've never same thing never owned a record never downloaded a song i don't think by the beatles but so popular yeah what about you guys shelly you take the lead on this one yeah it's the alive or dead thing is like the tough one for me because there's a lot of very talented artists right now in our day and age where we're like it's almost to the point where it's like you open your eyes to a lot of different genres of music for me anyways but like if i was gonna go back in time and go and watch somebody i would love to go to like the era where it was like johnny cash and elvis and like all these guys that are going to these little auditoriums and all the, you know, men and women are putting on their nice clothes for the weekend, you know, because there's a huge outing for them to go to these, these little concerts. Right. Yeah. And you listen to some of these old stories about like, um, oh man, whose podcast was I listening to? I think it was, uh, the bone collectors podcast. They had some guy on there that was talking about these old, his old days in the music industry. And he said, they used to jump in like Johnny Cash's Lincoln like a whole bunch of them strap all their equipment on the roof in like this box. And they'd like, just go to like these little bars and play just to like practice kind of thing. Right. And like those, that would be super cool. Go to like these old bars and listen to these old guys, just give her, you know, and smoking cigarettes and drinking and partying. I think the atmosphere would be just amazing. 
that would so be long, pretty sweet long story short i think like i'd go to that era and just like try to watch whoever you know as soon like before you said johnny cash i was or i almost raised my hand but i thought it might be kind of weird <laughs> and i was gonna switch my answer to johnny cash and i just want to be like in the back corner of a prison when he goes to one of those prisons and lights the place up yeah i feel like that would be amazing that would be sweet that'd be epic man very epic i think i'd 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 love to be in that area as well um one guy that who was kind of in that whole scene i do believe was uh towns van zandt and he's just like a crazy guitar player. I don't know if you've heard any of his music before, but I think it's actually his son that does a lot of the meat eater stuff down in Florida there. Uh, he's a fan's aunt. Can't remember his first name right now. Off the oh, top did, of he my like, head. did he do like Das Boat? Was he yeah. in that series? Yeah, yeah. He's a fly fishing guy for redfish oh, yeah. or thing, something like that. Anyways, um, he was kind of one of those guys that just seemed like he couldn't get his stuff together enough to to make it to the the big time had some substance abuse issues like most of those other guys did have but um but just an insane guitar player and some really cool tunes so same kind of answer you guys had go back to that era and find some of those dudes and find a smoky bar and <laughs> some cold beer that'd yeah. be sweet that'd be wicked Okay, question number three. Or no, you, do you have a question there, Dan? Just out of the like, top of your head? I'll, I'll think of number five. Sure. Um, so question number three for me would be if you did win 100 grand or whatever, unlimited set of money, what's the one thing that you'd do first? And it's like you can't invest. You can't buy a house. You can't invest in like your kid's college. It's just like for you. You have to go do something for you. So I've always had this thing in the back of my mind and i don't know why but to see a homeless person uh with a cup that says like can you spare any change or something like that and then have like a hundred thousand dollars all in change just in the bed of a dump truck and just be like yeah man hold up and like back it up and just hear the beep 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 and then just dump it and be like there you have it i don't know why I'm like, I feel like that'd make a funny video. I feel like that should be on Family Guy like, or something. Yeah, something like Mr. <laughs> Beast would do. Yeah. And damn it, Dan, you just now I can't even answer the question because now I'm gonna sound like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, th- that's you, good. You, you guys can... have had your answers to all these questions. So now now you're thrown off. I like it. You can self-indulge a little bit, Shelly. Yeah, I'm just gonna sound so bad. I'd buy myself a brand. I'm not kidding. I'd go and buy myself a brand new uh, Dodge. Dodge sounds like a big redneck here. Dodge TRX, like one of those new, I don't know, they're like souped up trucks with like shock packages and everything, just to drive it down the highway because I probably wouldn't be able to take it off roading. But that's what yeah. I'd do. Buy myself a brand new, like $150,000 truck. Nice. That'll work. I, uh, you know, it's funny. I actually, um, and Chase, yeah. don't lie and say like you're gonna, you would give it like to some food bank or something. <laughs> no, actually, I was just gonna say I was listening to one of Dan's podcasts and he was chatting about the, uh, um, like the camper vans and, and, uh, the tiny homes and stuff like that. And 
I would almost like to have like a, a hunting rig like that where you could just I have had this dream of like getting like a old Chevy van that's four by four and you know put some 35 inch dirt tracks on there and oh yeah put a bed in the back of that sucker and, and go hunting into the back country somewhere I think that'd be pretty cool so maybe like a, a van project or like a, some sort of camper project but do something nice right yeah I'm like something that I can afford right now yeah. <laughs> I really like those guys or not all guys, but those people that are doing the like van life or there's like other people that are like redoing their enclosed trailers or like buses and stuff. Like some of that stuff is super cool. The way they set them up, it's just like a, a mini home, you know, yeah. and they're like traveling across, across the country. That'd be cool, man. That's, that's pretty cool. That's a good answer. Chase I like that. We've got a lot of friends in that industry and, we're about to join it in August, but I've always wanted to, like, I've, I've renovated a bunch of different vehicles, but I have yet to do an ambulance. And I feel like an ambulance would be such a sweet hunting rig. Oh, totally. Like, a, like, a, with like the big square body on the back. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, everything I'd have storage. like, yeah, I'd have like the roll off awning probably on two sides, at least, um, tons of storage <laughs> cut out, cut out some of the shelving and you know turn the external lock boxes into gun storage and a pull out grill and i mean an external shower literally everything you could need and they can the chassis are so so tough like they'll carry any amount of weight you put in it so mm -hmm. yeah keep the, the rig keep the gurney in there too and then you can take it out if it's a nice day and relax outside yeah there you go <laughs> Or too many whiskeys by the fire and you can get rolled in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you've in. got the We're IV going. ready to go, just like strung out right to your yeah. lawn chair. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Chase, I think you're up for question number four. I'm up for question number four. Oh man. Um, I didn't think of question number four, but let me think what I could uh drum up off the top of my head here. Here, I got you. I'll do question four. You think of one for question five. Deal. If you could have any superpower for hunting, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. Who's answering this? I'll go first since Chase is still thinking. Go I'd go with, I'd go with sight just because I think I've I've blown so many deer hunts by like trying to get my can you do like sight and range? I think you can do sight and range, right? <laughs> is that all part of sight? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Range I've, under blown, sight? I've I've blown a few hunts by like going to grab my my glass, like my binoculars or whatever, looking at a deer like three hundred yards on the field, and then not realize there's one like out of my peripherals until I like go to grab my glass, right? And then I move and I notice it. So I think I'd go with sight and sight and range because it's a two in one built in uh, superpower. Nice. That's a good one. I don't even know where to go with this one. Cause I'm like, in, in part of my mind, I'm thinking if I could just fly somewhere and be like, Oh, I want to go over here to hunt. You know, you could just cut so much out of the hunting day if you could travel to where you want to be. But, um, geez, superpower. superpower to get up in the morning <laughs> yeah that could be your superpower to just live. to not run out of gas <laughs> when i'm walking through two feet of snow that'd be sweet 
Um, geez. That's when you need one of those little memes that pop up. It's like two hours later. <laughs> I know. SpongeBob. And I'm thinking, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, yeah, super, super endurance and super strength would be sweet. But then I like in the back of my mind, I got like visions of like Cam Haynes, uh, little Carrying bot dudes from Instagram being like, you pussy. Yeah. <laughs> For real. Oh, geez. I guess. Oh, you know what I would love is like not even super, but just like normal hearing because my hearing's all it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> you so, just want to be back to average. You don't you're like average, I don't need super, super hearing. hearing. Super hearing would be sweet and like get rid of the tinnitus and I'm good. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I would do I would do teleportation. Ooh. for a lot of different reasons you know if i see an animal going a certain direction boom i can get in front of it quickly if the wind shifts i can you know move to a new location but then also imagine the business you could have out of teleporting people's like elk elk shoulders or uh just, i mean just the right. just the meat bags out you could teleport yeah. people in and out of places I I could go up to Alaska and hunt for super cheap because yeah. I didn't have to pay for flights, you know. <laughs> no yeah. kidding. I'm just thinking even even like some of the hunting spots we go to, like elk hunting, it takes us probably three hours to get there to the spot we hunt from our doorstep. So it's like if I'm going for a weekend hunt, normally probably take Friday off, you know, strike out friday morning at like 3 a.m to make it to the elk hunting spot by sun up be nice to teleport out there yeah cut that time off this uh teleport (laughs) thing too though dan i think there would have to be some sort of rule like you could only teleport so many times in a day when you're in pursuit of an animal (laughs) because i could just like see myself be like oh yeah he went to the west and then you teleport to the west 100 yards like oh shit he went to the north and then you're like (laughs) boom 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 all around the field you know Dude, I if like I could that. teleport once a day, I'd probably be pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah. Four, yeah. Three or four times a day, I think, would be the rule. Yeah, we could, we could <laughs> four, yeah. limit it to that. <laughs> whoa, whoa, I like this. You you went straight from sight and range. You added one, and now right. you're limiting mine. All right. I see how you work, man. I, I get it. Hey, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh man that's well, man that's awesome i'm i'm excited that we're all doing this this is fun i like the yeah. five questions that's pretty good uh all right. yeah. i got i got number five here and it's uh it's a good one and it's it might be a little bit off off the uh off the trail here but uh what's one fear that you want to conquer i'll let you think about this one dan because i already know what mine is it's mice man I'm like scared. I don't know why. I'm just like, my dad makes fun of me some days. He's like, man, a, a black bear could walk into your tent and you wouldn't even jump out of bed. But he's like, a little mouse runs across the floor and you're freaking out. And I'm just like, man, those things are so gross. But like mice and rats, if I could like figure, figure out why I'm scared of them, I think it'd be okay. Like I'd see one like run across the grass, let's say, or whatever. But like, I have this like fear of waking up at moose camp in my sleeping bag and one like sitting on my face or something. <laughs> and it just like, that is my fear. I guess that's more of a phobia. That'd be great. That's my answer. I, I mean, 
I had a really extreme fear of snakes for a while and I was in college and I said, I'm getting over this. And so I went and bought a Python at a pet store and <laughs> Come on. for a month, my buddy drew, literally I would hold my hand out and he would just set it in my hand and I'd be freaking out. And then eventually it got to the point where I would let that thing crawl up my arm, like chill on my shoulder. Everybody from college would come over and watch me feed it. Dude, that's and hardcore. I was like, okay. sweet, man, I got over it. Well, all I did was get over my fear of that snake. Like I still hate snakes. So <laughs> if I could like fully be over my fear of snakes, that would be it. See, I feel like you guys are in a, in a different, you guys got a different snake situation down there though, because up here, we might have like the odd poisonous snake come cruising through Manitoba, but not too many poisonous snakes up in this territory. And yeah. I don't have a fear of snakes right now, but if I came across like some sort of rattlesnake or something, diamondback, I'm not too sure how I'd react. But it'd be hard to react. I think we're so oblivious to like, if we're walking through the field or through the bush, it's not like we're kind of like, oh shit, you know? Like yeah. even if like if right now, if I teleported to Texas to go hog hunting, I would be walking through with my vision we're looking for pigs and I wouldn't even think about dangerous snakes. Yeah. Crazy. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be crappy? You, you have this amazing power to teleport and you teleport and get bit by a rattlesnake. Like and instantly die. you just didn't, <laughs> you weren't paying attention to where you were landing. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. See snakes and like, and stuff like that. Cause like, even when we, uh, we vacation in Arizona a couple times and, uh, the scorpions down there, man just added levels of stress into the into the household you know what i mean yeah i'm like i don't like half the day like if i'm sitting on a pool chair i'm good but like when i'm in the house walking through the carpet like how many people just step on one on the carpet right that's what's going through my mind anyways yeah (laughs) i don't understand the venomous or poisonous thing i just say like last night in fact i came across a water moccasin no, I was really. cruising. I'm, I mean, I'm like belly button deep in this pond catching frogs. And I look and 10, 12 feet in front of me is this water moccasin. And I'm just like, I'm, my, my feet, I mean, I'm wearing sandals and shorts and my feet are like a foot deep in the mud. And so I can't move fast at all. Like, luckily this thing just stayed put. And then I like wiggled free, got my feet loose and then got up on the bank. But yeah, I hate, I hate encountering those things, especially when I'm in the water. If I'm on land, I can outrun a snake in the water. I'm done. Like I'm screwed. If it wants me, it's going to get me. Dude, that's not fun at all. I got a buddy that's so scared of snakes. Listen to this story. So he can't even watch them on TV. And this one time we're going to this old gravel pit to go swimming and uh me and a couple other buddies are like probably like 50 yards ahead of him he's he was like locking up his truck or something and this there's this garter snake sitting on the trail and like garter snakes i don't know if you have them down there but they're oh yeah pretty harmless and this my mom buddy's like scared off the trail before our buddy sees so he goes up runs up scares us off the trail and we look back and he is already like all you can see is the bottom of his sneakers going the other way. <laughs> he's so scared and he's back in his truck and he's not coming out. 
just Jeez. terrified of them. So doesn't sound like, like you're that bad. No, I'm not that bad. I mean, I've gone after a couple snakes in my day. Like if I see them, I'm, I'm not necessarily scared of them. I just want to kill them so that I don't have to worry anymore. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I, there's a lot of snakes that don't bug me at all. Uh, but the, the ones that just like chill on the side of a trail, those get me. I've, I've seen a, I don't even know what kind of rattlesnake they have in Arkansas, but I had one about a foot away from me as I was walking down the trail and I didn't know it. I walked right past it and my buddies came up and they're like, dude, big snake, big snake. And so I turned around and this thing's just, no, I'm like, I just like went red, man. I like grabbed my hatchet out of my pack, cut down a cane shoot, and I went after this thing, just stabbing it over and over. Because <laughs> I, I was like, that's that's not gonna bite me. Like yeah. it could have just it could have just hit my ankle that fast and I wouldn't have even no known kidding. what happened. And it just made me mad. So Yeah. That ain't fun. No. Well, I'm excited about this. I mean, I think it's pretty sweet. You guys, you guys are into a bunch of different type of hunting up there. And I'm sure just about everything you guys do is different to some degree than how we do it down here in the lower 48. So I guess first off, for my listeners, would you guys mind sharing where you're from and uh, the types of hunting that you enjoy? Go for it, Sheldon. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess, uh, so we're from Manitoba. Uh, I live in the western part of Manitoba uh, in a town or a city called Brandon. And, um, I'm a lineman by trade. So I do quite a bit of traveling when I am not hunting and stuff. So, um, a lot of people have referred to me as a gypsy cause I travel around the province quite a bit, but, um, but yeah, so for hunting wise, hunting, fishing and all that other stuff, I kind of grew up, um, in like a potland or pothole region kind of a Manitoba where there's lots of small potholes. So you, lots of ducks and, and geese in the fall and a lot of whitetail. And those are kind of my primary hunting species that I grew up learning how to hunt and learning how to be in the woods with my, with my dad. And then for fishing, um, I mean, if you know anything about Manitoba, we were very lucky and have like some of the best fisheries, I think in North America, in my opinion, for, for walleye, jackfish or jackfish and catfish and everything else. So, I mean, um, I had a very healthy dose of being out in the lakes and rivers fishing, growing up too so i guess in a nutshell i mean and then of course you know elk and moose um a lot of small game like uh chickens and stuff upland game birds but primarily it'd be whitetail uh and waterfall and then as i kind of got older and started doing my own thing i really started focusing in on moose hunting Uh, i got family and friends in northern manitoba that and i worked in northern manitoba where i got to spend a lot of time at different moose camps and learning how they do it in different, not necessarily scenarios, but different um, landscapes, let's say. And then, so I've moose hunted right from the U.S. border all the way up to the Hudson Bay, so right up to the ocean, and then most northern northern part of Manitoba. So that's kind of my hunting uh, background. Nice. And I'm Chase, one of the another partner of the the three amigos panoramic here, and. Uh, Similar story, I guess. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get brought up in a family that hunted and fished. Um, so dad took us out all all the time, man. And, and I'm having flashbacks now that I have kids thinking about all the, the moments we had together when we first started getting out into the field. And it's just like, 
nothing is ever quiet with the kids out in the woods. So it's, but just as long as they're having a good time, that's all I want. So, um, primary pursuits growing up was just a lot of whitetail hunting and, uh, some waterfowl hunting. First, first thing I ever harvested was, uh, a rough grouse sitting on a stump, the 410 break open 410. Still remember that one. And then, uh, same kind of thing as we got older. Um, I started guiding for my uncle when I got out of high school. So I was pretty fortunate there, learned a ton about just everything hunting, bear hunting, uh, waterfowl, whitetail hunting, moose hunting, um, learned a lot there. And then, uh, after that did some flying around the province and started elk hunting, started moose hunting on my own. And, uh, yeah, linked up with Sheldon and the adventures continue, man. Do a lot of prime. Our primary pursuit too is probably like right now for me is um, Archie Whitetail. I got some pretty pretty good locations not far from my house right now that I can slip out for an evening or you know morning hunt kind of thing. And then uh, the elk hunt or the the moose hunt is always uh, the big commitment in the fall. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, whitetail, Canadian whitetail, they're just different. Like people don't get it. We can see it from state to state here, but then the farther north you go, it just seems like the bodies get huge on those things. And uh, we've had people that have come up to Wisconsin because, I mean, I was born and raised in Wisconsin. I live in Missouri now, Um, but I've had friends that have come up from like some of the southern states just to Wisconsin to waterfowl hunt. And they're like, dude, the deer here are insanely huge. And I'm like, dude, that's a yearling. Like that's, that was born last year. And they're like, that's so big. Are you kidding me? And yeah, then they see like a 200 pound whitetail and they're like, what in the world? And I'm like, this is nothing compared to up in your guys' neck of the woods. You guys grow them big. Yeah. It's funny when I was, when I was guiding for whitetail, actually we had quite a few, um, quite a few, guys come up from like New York and Pennsylvania and they would all say the same thing. They'd be like, I can't believe how big the bodies are on these deer. And like every, every time a guy would like shoot a big buck or something, it was always like, I can't believe how big the body is. I'm like, man, look at, look at the antlers. This is what came for the antlers, didn't you? <laughs> but they were just always in awe about the bodies. And it, it, it didn't really click with me too much because I mean, we grew up around it right yeah but yeah and dan what about you uh for our listeners like where did where did it all start for you and what do you primarily go for so for me i mean growing up in wisconsin i was part of the orange army you know they've got six hundred thousand whitetail hunters every opening weekend hitting the woods and that was my family it was my, my mom and dad, they were both diehard hunters. They would go and sit in the same stand or uh, in the same 40-acre chunk of woods every year. And then I've got three older sisters and a younger brother Well, watching all three of my sisters start hitting the woods. Like, they got into it. And I would just have to sit back at home. And it was it's always over the week of Thanksgiving. And I would sit there just waiting for someone to pull in because I'm like, man, if they pull in early, I know they've got a deer and I'm like running out to check at that point, they were driving a minivan. So that was always awesome. They'd leave the hatch open so you could see the deer as they're driving down the highway. (laughs) And, uh, 
I would go out and just watch, uh, watch for them to get home. And then it was probably about two years before I could legally hunt that I got to start going and sitting with my dad or with my uncle. And I was already hooked at that point. I mean, I was sold out on it and my uncle got me into waterfowl hunting shortly after that. Once I moved down to Missouri for college, I just started hunting anything and everything I could frogs, um, rabbit, squirrel, duck, dove, goose, deer coyotes raccoons i mean if it if it had a season i was probably out there chasing after it and uh moved out to colorado for two years fell in love with western hunting um uh went out for my first two years uh for a bull or for a bull elk got a bull both years the second year i drew a mule deer tag along with my bull tag and i actually doubled up in the same day got a buck and a bull and I was completely hooked. Uh, at this point, I mean, I've hunted a ton of different species, and hopefully I can knock every one of them off the list. Even if I don't, obviously the goal out there is to, to have success, but I've been on plenty of hunts that were life-changing hunts for me where I never pulled the trigger or maybe never encountered an animal. And so I just chased that new experience, um, but there's always going to be things like whitetail and elk that – I'll hold close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Adventure. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing you did mention that uh, orange army. I think that's what you said. Um, but that's very similar to up here too. Like I've never really been into that scene of like getting together with a bunch of people and hunting like in groups and pushing bush and stuff. Um, but it just seems to be like, that's almost like the starting point for even Canadian children you know like that's kind of how you get started i think yeah yeah i mean there's something the camaraderie of it in the tradition of it i mean it's such a long-standing tradition in a lot of places in north america and so it's like you see pictures or you hear stories of like grandparents and great-grandparents going out and doing the same thing with their friends you know the apparel the it, it may have been red plaid at that point and now it's blaze orange but for the most part, like just getting together or having a deer camp where you can get away to, or having a hanging station or a way station where everyone gathers and looks at the biggest deer that were killed and sees how much they weigh. There's something about it that I can't get out of my blood. I mean, no matter what I go and hunt, one of the number one things I look forward to is going up to Wisconsin with a rifle every year. Yeah. That's the culture, man. That's awesome. Yeah. What's, um, your way station what like is that community or is that just like your group no so uh, it used to be uh check stations so when you'd shoot a deer you actually had to go and register it um let the let the county or in our case it was the wisconsin department of natural resources we had to go and check our deer and say hey look we actually had a tag for this um they'll mark down you know if it's a buck a doe uh how many points it has And then they would always give you the option to weigh it. And they would do this at a bunch of different places. So the closest place for us was a corner store. It was a little gas station uh, where we would always go in the mornings and get coffee or energy drinks and some snacks for the tree stand. But at night, it was like the whole parking. I mean, there was like four pumps at this whole (laughs) gas station. We're in a town of 369 people. And 
the whole parking lot would be full and everyone's gathered around one big truck bed and you know there's a monster in there because nobody's looking anywhere else and and so it was it was just something that different establishments would offer and it would drive a ton of business i mean that week they probably increased sales by a thousand percent and uh now they've done away with a lot of that because you can electronically check your deer now and so when you harvest you can just go on and punch your tag on your phone uh fill out a few pieces of information and then you're good to go and i talk with a lot of people especially up in wisconsin and i'm like i'm gonna start a movement and it's gonna be bring back Mm -hmm. check stations because there's something about that there's something about the atmosphere now people just do it with the people that they hunt with at the at their family farm which is still kind of cool but when you have everybody coming in to look at your deer and you're just like showing it off or a kid shoots even a spike for the first time and he's just proud as can be getting his picture taken with it there's nothing like it and uh i think we need to bring back that the camaraderie and the culture of it oh man i I feel like right now in the outdoor industry and outdoor world that it's like there, there's a lot of like kind of fighting going on especially on like social media a lot of trash talking and stuff like that so i feel like the further away we get from those 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 old-timey traditions the further along we are on like separating as an outdoor community as well you know what i mean yeah. Well, to, to remove the electronic and like the impersonable side of it and do things in person, I don't ever get into fights with other hunters when I'm talking to them face to face, like never. I mean, me and my buddies, yeah, we give each other crap all the time, but we're never in like a heated argument for mm-hmm. me. If I post something on social media about shooting a 300 win mag or a 270 or a six, five Creed more, there's going to be strong opinions about every single one of them. And they're going to be like, are you kidding me? You're not a real man. That's what you're shooting. It doesn't, you, you don't have to take that out in the woods or the boots that you wear or the camo or the scope. Everybody yeah. has an opinion of everything. And I'm like, it's all, it's all online. When yeah. you actually get together in person with these people, you find way more commonalities than you do differences. But for some reason, the, the online side of things, it like magnifies the differences and I don't understand it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, like you're talking about like between going, so let's say online and like talking face to face is like, I know, I know times I've been to spots so like big buck nights in Manitoba and stuff. And you hear these stories, right. And it's not like you're going to call them out on it. You just yeah. like go back to your table and you're like, Hey, guess what? Dan Matthews said he shot that, that buck one shot, 600 yards running full tilt. And then everyone laughs and, you know, you carry on with your night. It's not like, it's not like we like call you out face to face. Yeah. It's kind of funny how you said that. Um, but the one thing that we do up here is like I mentioned was big buck night. Do you guys have, do you guys do those down there at all? Big buck night. Like uh, when you guys like at the end of this, the season, like normally our like local, like uh, wildlife federation or wherever, whatever we'll put on these. It's kind of like almost like a little get together where there's prizes and stuff like that. And they measure your, your, your bucks and then, and then score and score them. And then the, you know, biggest wins in different categories. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I know at, it was actually at our church. They did that for a long time. Uh, Growing up, my dad, he won big, the biggest buck and he won like a gift card or he won like 50 bucks or something like that. Um, A little trophy came with it. 
I'm like, you got a trophy for shooting a deer. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> now, now it seems like they do like, they call them big buck boards where like you go to the local bar and you can throw five or 10 bucks in. And mm. if you, if you shoot the biggest buck, you take home, you know, 80% of the pot and the bar takes home the other 20%. Right. And uh, so they do competitions like that. But as far as like big, big events where a bunch of people get together, I haven't done one like that since I was probably in middle school. Yeah. Like up here, every, well, not every small town, but 75% of the towns in this, in our province will have like a big buck night where they're, I mean, not far up North, wherever there's deer. And some of them are like so big. I think there's one down in a little town called Miami, not Miami, Florida, Miami, Manitoba. And I think it's like huge. And they're giving away like, brand new guns they're giving away like for big buck night and and then you have like different categories not only that it's super i think it's a super cool event and it reminded me of you know your way station or your check station story is because every town had these things and it was huge it was a big thing to go to and now it's just like ah, people post it on facebook and you see what you know walter shot over there like he doesn't need to bring it in anymore you know but i think they're starting to grow a little bit because they're super good for kids right like because they'll have like They'll have like the junior category. They'll have, uh, you know, what, like the women's category. They'll have black powder, archery, rifle, and yeah, it's super cool. And you get in this thing, the camaraderie. You get to talk to other hunters. Um, yeah, some of them are really, really big, and some are small. You get a little trophy and a handshake, and some, yeah, you, some pretty good prizes. Yeah, the the cool thing about them too is like you get to uh, if you enter uh, a rock or a buck or a elk or a moose or whatever you know, it gets professionally measured up. And then if it's, yeah. it's big enough, you know, it goes in the, the Mantle big game awards book. Too, that, so. That's sweet. I'm going to have to look into that and see if like a local chapter of the national deer Alliance or something wants to try to put something like that on. Cause I'm all about these events, man. Like mm-hmm. I just love getting people together who have a common interest and just sharing stories, talking about gear uh, doing like going skeet shooting or fishing a small pond and just everybody gets together. We have fun. Um, and obviously a big buck like banquet, that'd be amazing to do. Yeah. yeah, They're super fun, man. The one in Brandon where I, where I'm living, it's probably one of the bigger ones in Western Manitoba. And it's super cool because like everyone has like Chase saying moose and elk, um, whitetail. And I, think that's all the categories they have right now but anyways and they have like tables and tables set up and like with all these racks and antlers and everything and you just kind of walk and it shows the score of them um like where not where it was shot but like maybe the local community of like from where he was from and then like a lot of the hunters kind of stand there and you know will tell their story like it's it's super cool like i last year two years ago i went to the last one and before covid and I think I spent like three or four hours there talking to people, like having some beers too, but like walking those tables and checking out stuff. And then you like, cause you know, like you hear like, Oh, buddy shot this big buck down, you know, 20 miles away from home. And it's like, Oh, right on. And you never get to see it because some of these guys won't put it on social media. They wait till big buck night to show it off. That's so it's super cool. cool. Yeah, man. I got to come up there and check one of these big buck nights out. That sounds like a ton of fun. <laughs> Oh, we, we've so done like some game feeds in the past. Um, like certain places will do like a potluck dinner and you can bring a bunch of different game meat. And I mean, you'll have everything from 
from squirrel to pheasant to elk, bear, you name it. Um, and I've always enjoyed that because you can see how other people are cooking the meat. You're trying things that you've never had before, like bear. I didn't, I had never had bear until I went to one of those. Um, yeah, there's something about the social side of hunting. I can't, I can't get past it. We, we do a big bull contest. Well, I shouldn't say big bull. We pay out at our elk camp because we have a big elk camp that we do every year. And some years we'll have 20 people there. And I mean, everybody kind of splits off the unit we hunt is like just under a million acres. So there's plenty of room for it. Um, But we'll do a, a contest and it started out as a big bull contest. And so they would, the winner, whoever shot the biggest one would take home all the cash. Well, what they were realizing is as soon as someone shot a bull, a bunch of other people weren't shooting because they wanted to win. So like they'd mm-hmm. see one a little bit smaller <laughs> and they weren't shooting. So now we do uh, first biggest and smallest all get payouts. And so nice. the biggest takes like 50%, the smallest takes 25 and the first takes 25. And so yeah. um, it, it's just kind of a cool thing that we do every year. And um, it's just among our hunting group. But I mean, when you have, not everybody pays into it. Not everybody wants to compete. But when you have 15 guys all thrown in a hundred bucks, like you could take home some serious cash. You could pay for your hunting trip. Yeah. No kidding. That's crazy. That'd be pretty well, sweet. Speaking of those, I've always wondered about those camps, uh, elk camps, like the, what would be like the foot of a mountain, the base of a mountain or whatever you're hunting. Is it like all like prospector tents and stuff and campers and you guys just have like, bonfires at night and shoot the shit and the next morning just go off with your group and or like how does that work for you guys yeah that's exactly right so uh the camp that i go to a lot of the people are from colorado um oh, yeah. but now like me and one other guy we come out every year from missouri uh there's probably four guys now that come from from nebraska there's a guy who comes from california and it's all like really close friends and family and oh, yeah. They're just coming from all over the place. But yeah, uh, some of the guys pull out RVs. Uh, some pull out toy haulers uh, with their side-by-side or four-wheelers in the back. We'll set up. I feel like most years we have four wall tents set up. We've got a really big one that the, that a bunch of guys just went in on last year. And uh, it, it's just like our mess hall. So we've got a big flat iron blackstone grill that we set nice. up, we cook up a bunch of food. We have picnic tables and a bunch of folding tables with all the drinks and condiments and buns and you name it. And so, yeah, we get together and then I'd say we split off into groups of anywhere from two to six people. And, you know, there might be six guys that go to one side of the unit and they'll go spike camp in their tents for four or five days chasing after elk. They'll come back if they get something or they'll radio us or send us a message so that once we're on top of the mountain and have service, we know like, Hey, they need help packing something out. Um, and so it's really cool. Like there's a lot of guys there that I've never actively hunted with, but I've known them for several years because we kind of have our core group that we go out and we shoot, shoot elk together. Yeah. That sounds, sounds kind of similar. And maybe I'll let Chase talk a little bit towards his deer camp that he goes to, but, um, like right now, we do all kind of not, no, it's not even kind of the same thing. It's not even really close. I don't think, but like (laughs) we do like a, we call it deer camp, which is basically a bunch of like 
my cousins and really close family go to my dad's acreage basically we get together there and then we have like a competition you know like you know the biggest buck of the of the season it'll be like a 40 ounce or booze everyone puts it in or whatever just because like yeah we're kind of like redneck like that i guess and anyways we, so and people will come like throughout the seasons like for instance like my brother-in-law will come out for black powder for a week right and then like my cousin will come to in rifle season for a week chase will come out and bow hunting for three or four days but like that's kind of like how we do our deer camp it's just like we always invite people and for timing it never lines up where we could all be there at the same time and nonetheless i mean it's at my dad's acreage so I mean, it, it does get a little tight for sleeping space and stuff, but that's kind of the closest thing I guess I do right now for like a, a big camp with a bunch of people. Yeah. But Chase, Chase, you got, you got a pretty good camp going uh, at Duck Mountain there. Yeah, it's not, I mean, I think there's five or six of us that head out there normally opening week of rifle whitetail season. And um, yeah, we got, we're lucky enough our buddy has a nice piece of private property right on the edge of um one of the biggest provincial parks in manitoba i think it well maybe not one of the biggest but a very nice piece of public land um lots of deer lots of hunting opportunities and uh a damn good time we got same thing a couple wall tents up there i think he's trying to move a cabin there right now he's been trying to move this cabin for years and then he added he had a, a mover booked this fall to move it while we're up there in camp. And we had like the snowstorm of a century come in and there's like three feet of snow got dropped up there. Jeez. It was, it was a wild. We couldn't, we couldn't leave camp for like two days until like a tractor came down and plowed all the road and stuff for us. So it was pretty wild, but, uh, but yeah, we've been going there for quite a few years now and it's, it's, uh, it's always a good time. We used to go, well, I used to go for, a few guys still go for a week, but I'm, I'm lucky to get out there now for three or four days, which is just good normally. Yeah. I feel like there's, there's something in our blood about getting away and going hunting somewhere. Like it just mm-hmm. hits differently. You can go and hunt your backyard and it's cool. But when you get a group of people together, I think part of it has to do with, I mean, almost every civilization in the history of the world has had like hunting parties that go out or, you know, some form of that. And even now when, when I bring somebody out who's never hunted before, they're like, dude, this is so amazing. Like I'm, I'm going to get into this. And it, it it is that you go somewhere different that you've never been and you get out there and hunt. Yeah, for sure. And like, that's the thing too. When we first started panoramic outdoors, like we kind of, sat down and like listed a bunch of things that we wanted to accomplish let's say and that was like one thing you kind of just mentioned it there's like we have a lot of friends and or family that come out fishing or hunting for the first time that are in like their you know mid-20s or mid-30s or whatever and they're like oh man this is awesome so like that was part of the reason why we started panoramic was like to bring in these people that didn't have any avenue to get together with a group of people right but as soon as they get into the group of people like i'm i've heard a couple of my buddies say that played hockey all their life it's like man this is the same as a locker room like we're shooting the shit and we're having you know just hanging out yeah you know and like even like for myself i know my sister said this to me the other day like maybe a couple months ago she's like have you been on like a vacation in the last four or five years and i was like 
no, like I just take my holidays and go hunting or fishing and that's my holiday. And I freaking enjoy, I wouldn't change it. Like I go to elk camp or moose camp for a couple of weeks or deer camp for a week or whatever. That's the way I do it. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I like planning my vacation around hunting trips. <laughs> my <laughs> wife doesn't care for it as much, but I'm starting to discover there's a lot of cool opportunities in tropical places like right. spear fishing. That's something I want to do. Uh, she really wants to go to Hawaii for our 10 year anniversary. And nice. I was like, Hey, I can hunt goat and pig and axis deer and I can go fishing a ton. And so now I'm trying to convince her to let, we've got two other friends. Uh, we all got married within about a year of each other. And I was like, why don't we do a giant combined 10 year anniversary? We can split off as couples, go do our own thing for a couple of days. And then one day, all the ladies can sit on the beach and drink, drink cocktails and all the guys will go out fishing or hunting or something. Nice. And so I don't know how that's going to go. Hopefully <laughs> she likes me enough to make it happen. <laughs> oh man. We were talking, we went on a family vacation uh, a few years ago now and in the planning portion of it, um, like why there or whatever got, got brought up and I was like, all right, let's like, let's go. And I'm bringing my bow. I'm going going hunting for a couple of days. Yeah, and then things got changed around, and we didn't end up going. But uh, but uh, I still brought my fishing rod. Didn't end up catching any fish, but uh, still tried to get out anyways. Yeah. What What do you guys have planned for this year? Uh, any big hunts coming up, or do you guys have any bucket list hunts that you have planned in the near future? Oh man, this year. For me, anyways, it's it's uh, we we traveled to new territory last year to go moose hunting and, and kind of got bit in the butt because it was low water in the river we were hunting and really hard travel. We wrecked the canoe and uh, still had a good time. Uh, got into some incredible brook trout fishing, had some moose action, but never never ended up coming home with the moose and um, kind of looking for redemption on that, but. Uh, I'll do an elk tag this year for archery elk and uh, got some redemption there that I need to go, go after for the, for the elk in the inner lake here. Cause we've been hunting them with the archery equipment for three years now and have yet to arrow one. So like we were kind of chatting earlier, got, got real tight on a lot of elk and um, they like to humble you pretty quick some days, man. They definitely uh, are tough to figure out. And, and the bush is so thick up here. It's like we've, we've been within 15 yards of elk and just screaming their head off. And, you know, you can't even hardly see a patch of fur on them suckers. So Dang. it's tough. It's I bet tough. you wish you could teleport. Yeah. <laughs> teleport to another <laughs> patch of bush. <laughs> exactly. Need uh, Maybe that'd be my superpower. Just get some, my bow shoot like through stuff or see through, be able to see through the bush with a bow that can shoot through it. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> it'll just go straight forever and go through any obstacle. Yeah. That'd be cool. Who's, you want who's the guy that like whistles. Isn't there a guy? What was that from? I think that was from <laughs> guardians of the galaxy. He whistles and like sends arrows out. Oh, you really? I'm talking about. I yeah. Seen, I haven't seen that. No. They're like these little pet arrows that like pop up and then he'll whistle and send them out and kill people with them. And I'm like, oh, oh that'd be kind of cool. Now I got to see this. 
Yeah. Pick I want to switch against... my superpower. Yeah. <laughs> you want to switch? <laughs> or, or, uh, uh, gosh, man, I'm not, I'm not a super like comic book kind of guy. Um, but is it Hawkeye? Hawkeye with the Avengers, the archery dude? I have no idea. Oh, maybe. I have no idea. Anyways, he's like a super good shot. He always hits a bullseye or something. I don't know. Nice. Yeah. Um, Jolly, what do you got? What do you got planned, buddy? Oh, man. Let me tell you. I So the last two years, so last year and this year, I haven't gotten drawn for anything. Um, so I, I, I really push whitetail hunting. I've I got a new crossbow last year, so I've harvested my first year with a crossbow last year. Um, and I'm very, I don't know, man, there's something about that crossbow. I, I like it a lot. And before I got the crossbow, I was the kind of guy that would archery hunt until it was minus 20. The wind was howling every day and I could not archery hunt anymore. And then that's when I'd pick up a, a gun and then finish the season off. But now with this, with this crossbow, I'm like thinking, man, I can hunt archery basically all year, you know, in a way. Yeah. So I'm going to like really push whitetail hunting this year. Um, as for like a bucket list trip, I kind of put my bucket list stuff from like obtainable to this may never happen on my bucket list. And like, I, it's gotta be just getting on an elk hunt. So I'm kind of hoping that chase is going to send me an invite to come to his, on his tag to come just tag along and maybe take some uh, video and stuff and be there when it all happens. But I, my bucket list would be, would be being a part of an elk hunt and being successful. I mean, chase and I've put on miles chasing those buggers and uh, haven't got one yet, but mm-hmm. that's probably my bucket list as, as my first one. Anyways. Nice. I, I want to do what you've already done, which is get a, a bull moose with my bow. I want to do oh, yeah. an Alaskan, alaskan moose hunt a fly in float out you know put like 60 miles on a pack raft and just get out every night and call try to see what comes in in the mornings and then hit the river again and just do that day in and day out probably have like a bonus caribou bear and wolf tag in my pocket Mm -hmm, and i don't know why why up why up there i don't know just something about alaska i've been i've been twice uh, I haven't been up to like the Yukon, uh, the Canadian Yukon or the Alaskan Yukon at all. Right. Um, but just seeing the scale of it and being that far away from other people. Like I want right. to, I want to go somewhere where I'm not going to see anybody. I might yeah. see one plane a day, you know, that type of spot where there's no outside interference or distractions and I can just be in the wild. And I mean, I'd have, I'd have people with me, but like, I would want to only encounter my group of people. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm open to anywhere. Like I I'm putting in for Maine. I put in for Colorado every year for moose. I just think moose are so cool. The size of them. Um, I love the way they taste, man. When my buddy shot his dude, we, that night we cooked up moose heart and moose tongue. And then we cooked up some of the tenderloins the next night and it was like every cut of meat was amazing on it. So yeah. Moose meat is amazing. I was just asking because I, it's also on my bucket list to go to the Yukon, but I will say as being a resident of Manitoba, Manitoba, the Manitoba moose, like Northern Manitoba moose can range anywhere. You know, some of the big ones up to like 60 plus inches. Right. And it's to the point where a lot of these outfitters that we've talked to are like, 
when they get their mounts done, they're ordering the Alaskan Yukon moose mounts because these these babies are getting that big, right? So yeah. I was just thinking, like, if it was something like you wanted to get that big ginormous moose, like there's opportunity, right? In northern Canada, right across, like Saskatchewan, yeah. even Alberta, probably, right? So um, but yeah, that's obviously yeah, the Yukon moose hunt is on my list too someday. I'd love to hunt that territory and like see the mountains and that'd be cool. Yeah, I get yeah. I feel like every now and then, uh, like thinking about going up to Canada and hunting stuff. Uh, we I used to go up to like Lake of the Woods all the time and fish every summer. Uh, there were different places all around Canada that we would go as a group and and do like father son trips or my dad and my mom. They went and did couples trips a couple of years. Um, but as far as hunting, I don't know why. Uh, it's probably not nearly as hard as I'm making it out to be. But there's something intimidating about figuring out all the custom stuff and, you know, getting my firearm up there, getting a weapon across the border and then coming back. Um, I don't know. I I'm like, if I stay in Alaska, uh, I don't have to worry about all the customs paperwork at least. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Just, just extra variables you got to worry about. Right. Yeah. But I, I'm sure there's a ton of people. I mean, there's opportunities for shooting big, big animals all over Canada. I mean, you guys have so many sweet opportunities and for some reason there's like that romantic idea of Alaska and you've seen the postcards or you've watched the hunt. Mm -hmm. And so that's always been in the back of my mind, but I guarantee there's places as beautiful in Canada and maybe they're not as sought out and they might be easier to get to and get a tag for. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You uh, like, you know, you're talking about not, not seeing anybody while you're hunting kind of thing. And, um, when I was guiding some of the places that we would, we would hunt whitetail where it was like, what we would deem as like the, the big bush country where there was no ag land around. We were like in the woods and we, we'd go and we set, we'd set up <clears throat> an insulated wall tent and that would be our camp for three weeks kind of thing. And hunters would come in and out. And then like a lot of the guys that would come in and they'd be sitting in a tree stand and they, they would say they'd come back at the end of the day and just be like, I can't believe how quiet it is out here. Like you don't hear a car or a person, nothing like once in a while, a plane will fly over. But, but uh, yeah, and all it's, it's like all that stuff, just normal to us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Weird. Hey, Chase um, yeah. for Dan's listeners, if you, if you could go down South to like uh, into the state somewhere to go for a hunt, what would you go for? Like where would you, what would you go after? Good question, man. I don't, uh, I, I can't say I, I know every opportunity that's down there in the States as well. Um, geez, it would probably have to be either an elk hunt or a mule deer hunt or something like that in like Montana or Utah or something like that. Yeah. Something, but I'd have to like get a year's notice so I could get in shape for it. <laughs> <laughs> I need two years. Um, I think I'd go for like a, and I, this might sound silly to some people, but like a dove hunt because like we, I've never, other than waterfowl, like getting into some super good, you know, duck hunts and stuff like that. That's never like I get to sit there and just fire off rounds like crazy. I mean, the odd snow goose hunt, I think I've been on where, you're going through a few boxes of shells or whatever, but I think it'd be cool to try that dove hunt. We talked to uh, Cameron Rupp down in Texas and he was saying, Oh yeah, you just sit on a lawn chair and, and pull a bunch of 
shells and just knock down doves and i'm like man i gotta try it. and then not only that i want to try like the table fair afterwards right it is amazing and you've got an open spot down here in missouri if you ever want to come down september we'll 1st september 1st is opener every year nice. we go to a club a public land area uh there's a ton of other people but it doesn't matter like you bring a ton of shells and you can't reload fast enough a lot of the times <laughs> i mean you're like oh, yeah. pulling all three shots off reloading there's doves whipping past you and it only lasts like that for about a day and a half and then the doves get wise to it and they take off really like we're not sticking around <laughs> no um, way i'd be interested to see some stats on that on that and like how much shot gets put into the air that those couple days you know what i mean Oh yeah. I mean, you've, have you guys seen the new Top Gun movie? It's basically like that. The doves are just the pilots. I mean, just flying around trying to get shot down. And it's funny because you'll hear it like typically around, I don't know, 10, 10, 15, there's a lull and there's just not as many birds flying early in the morning. It's really heavy. There's just, it sounds like world war three. But then all of a sudden there'll be a lull and nobody on the whole field is, firing and then all of a sudden you hear and it's like it gets louder and louder coming towards you and you're just looking like where is this dove and you can see it and it's just darting and dodging and everyone's just (laughs) unloading on this and then one person finally hits it and the whole field everyone's cheering like yeah he got it it didn't get through (laughs) it's like running the gauntlet and when it's only one everyone becomes a team to just kill this thing so it's fun man we have a lot of a lot of fun dove hunting down here but yeah doing like jalapeno bacon wrapped dove poppers whew, oh, that yeah. is i mean you can't go wrong with a bunch of cream cheese bacon i mean drizzle some maple syrup on that thing with a hey there you heat. go oh yeah. gosh that sounds i'm amazing. into that man into that 100 dude i love i love food i really do in <clears throat> I feel like I'm missing out on life right now because I've been doing this diet and workout plan. And so I eat basically the same thing every single day for breakfast and then every single day for lunch and every single day for dinner. And I get one cheat meal a week and I'm like, get me out of here, man. Like I want to eat. I love, I love food. I was, I've always eaten thousands and thousands of calories a day in every dessert, everything you put in front of me just disappears. And now I feel like I'm in prison. So <laughs> I, I did a diet last year and I did the keto diet. Right. And like, I'm not, a, I'm not a guy to go to the gym workout at all, but like was being more active in different activities and stuff. And I, yeah, I lost like 40 pounds. I felt awesome, but I felt that pain of like watching people eat pizza oh my at a God. restaurant and I'm eating fucking steak bites. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this sucks. Like, this sucks. It's terrible, man. It's like that thing. You just can't get it off your mind. I know. I'm a snacker, like, all day long, every day. It doesn't matter. I've got a child's palate, too. Everything that my kids eat, I eat more of it, you know? Like, (laughs) dude, I'll eat chicken nuggets and mini corn dogs and fish sticks and graham crackers. I don't care. I'll eat whatever. And, uh, yeah, now watching them just go to town on food or like seeing stuff pop up online or on TV. I'm just drooling. And I'm like, I would do just about anything for a fat, like bacon, double cheeseburger with extra cheese and barbecue sauce. Yeah. 
that's how they get you man that's how they get you and what is this like is this diet plan of yours is this like ongoing like you don't know an end date or do you got like a goal like like by december 1st i'm gonna do this or like what's your plan so i said uh eight weeks Uh, a buddy of mine he was like hey man if you're interested like we'll we'll set some goals if you want to be at this weight or this body fat percentage or be able to lift this much like just tell me what you need and so i was like all right sweet one i just want to be in better shape when i go out west because where i'm at i'm at low elevation and so when i head out west and i'm hunting at like nine thousand up to twelve thousand feet for certain hunts it's just, it kicks my butt you know yeah and I'm like, I want to be in better shape. I want to be able to have more endurance. And then my wife, she's like, you remember when we got married and you had like an eight pack? And I was like, <laughs> ouch. Yeah, yeah, I sure do. And uh, she's like, I'm not saying like, I'm unhappy with you, but like, that was a pretty sweet eight pack. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm also in my mid thirties now. And, yeah. but I know, I mean, like Cam Haynes, man, like, you can't tell me it can't be done. He's what in his fifties and he's just kicking people's butts on the trail. And so I'm like, I I think I'd rather try to get back in shape now. And that way when I'm 50 years old, it's not going to be nearly as easy to lose 30, 40 pounds. So anyways, I set a goal of, uh, I guess technically it was 19 pounds. I wanted to be down to 190. Um, I hit that in like two and a half weeks, three weeks. And now I'm just like, all right, what can I do to build my endurance, build my strength? Um, and as soon as I'm done with this program, I'm going to do the elk shape stuff. I don't know if you've seen that. I actually had him on the podcast recently and, um, his stuff is all geared around being in the best shape possible for hunting. So nice. Yeah, that's, that's, so I know I didn't get to my, my biggest fear on our, uh, five burners and, uh, mine is going to the mountains and getting destroyed out there because I'm a prairie boy. And, uh, yeah, man, I have been trying to plan a a hunt to go out with my buddy because he lives out close to, uh, he lives in Alberta. He's been telling me to come out for a couple of years, but yeah. So I am kind of back in the gym now too, just being like, all right, this has got to happen and you got to get in shape for this and not, not like blow this opportunity going out there. I, I had a guy, uh, the first elk that I ever shot, we were a couple miles back in and I think, I think we were probably somewhere in between the eight to 9,000 feet in elevation. And it was me and my buddy, Sean, just the two of us. We got back there. I shot this bull and his brother and his brother's buddy, Dan, they both came down to help us pack it out. Well, it was almost completely uphill the whole way back. And so me and Sean, we both got our like meat packs on, you know, we can stuff meat in a bunch, like he's got a meat shelf. I had an internal frame, but I had like a meat pouch that went over the top of the bag and his, his brother Shane comes down and he's got a meat pack. And then Dan comes down and he doesn't have anything with him. And I'm like, well, he's not going to be any help. Like he's in his fifties at least. And like, what's he going to do? Just like carry two bags, three miles back to the side by side. No joke. This guy threw them on his shoulders, just game bags with meat. And it was like boned out, but still, I mean, that's dead weight. Like yeah. to 
its finest. And he beat us all up the mountain. Come on. And I'm just like, all right, this makes me feel <laughs> terrible. I'm half his age looking at us. You'd think I'd be able to hoof it up that mountain. And I was at the back of the pack most of the time. And I was like, I don't want to be doing this again. Yeah. So, wow. We, uh, one year we shot an elk and it, uh, ran up into what's called the duck mountains in our neck of the woods, which is like the highest elevation in Manitoba, I think is the duck mountains. And it's like 3000 feet above sea level. So it's not like huge elevation at all, but there's some, like, there's some ravines and stuff. And, uh, anyways, this, this elk went back, like, uh, I think it's a couple miles. We ended up tracking it back into the Hills and we weren't prepared to hike it out at all because we were hunting <laughs> on a, like a farm field. Yeah. And thankfully I had a frame pack with me, like an old, one of those old aluminum ones with like the, the blue bag on it kind of thing, you know? So I hauled that in with me and, uh, I was the only one with the frame pack and the other guys just like, they tried hauling quarters out on like sticks, which was a disaster. And they ended up just like tying rope around these quarters and like putting it around their back. And they were just bruised and cut right up by the time we got back. The invention of the meat shelf is probably one of the greatest things for hunt like backcountry hunters. Yeah. And I, I never knew anything of it. We, we would drag our deer out whole and, mm -hmm. or, you know, we'd gut them and then drag them out. We'd, I, I didn't know anything about quartering or boning out meat or anything like that. Um, but yeah, once I found out about it, I was like, yep, if you don't have the right equipment, you are going to be hurting for a full week after trying to pack out an elk. Yeah, Totally. Um, I want to slide off the elk topic here and the, the backcountry hunts a little bit. And I need you to tell me about uh, frog gigging. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Dude, frog gigging. It is, it's a good time. It doesn't start until sunset on June 30th. And so yesterday at sunset was our first opportunity to go out. And you just go around from pond to pond, like, uh, a couple of us will have high powered spotlights. Everybody's got a headlamp on and you can either, you can fish for them, which we tried that for the first time and it didn't work last night. Uh, you just dangle a treble hook in front of them and apparently like they'll just grab onto it sometimes really? and pull them up. It did not, it scared them off almost every time last night. Um, and then you can, so yeah, you can gig them, you can net them just like with, a net of really any type of net, as long as they can't fit through the holes on it. Um, you can shoot them with a 22 or smaller caliber, uh, BB guns even are legal. Um, you can hand grab them. So it's l almost any way that you can catch it is legal. You just yeah. have to, you just have to have a license for it. And so there's a bag limit of eight frogs per person per night. Um, and yeah, you just walk around and you'll hear them like, on the other side of the pond. And so all of a sudden all the headlights and all the <laughs> spotlights are shining over there and they, they typically face the water and um, they like to escape into the water. Yeah. If they're on shore, you know, they'll find a spot where they're surrounded on three <clears throat> sides and then they can just take one jump right into the, into the pond. Um, and so the best way to do it is get in the water and be shining back at the bank. And once you see it, you keep your spotlight on it. You don't want the ripples from you walking towards it to, to hit it. That'll force them to jump sometimes. 
if you cross in front of the beam of the light, like if your buddy's shining it and you try to get in front of him, uh, they'll jump. So you just have to keep it right on their eyes the whole time. And then you walk up and you just, whatever your method of take is, you gig them, you grab them. And huh. once you get them, I mean, like last night, I bet you, I bet you the two biggest ones were probably each 14 inches long, like nose oh, wow. and toes. And you chop them off at the hips, pull the, we call it, say, pulling the pants off of them. You pull the skin off of them and then you just batter them like your favorite fish or chicken and nice. deep fry them. So, um, how long does that season go for? It goes for a while. I honestly don't like we typically we put a really big emphasis on it at the beginning because we throw yeah. a, we call it the white trash bash uh, for the 4th of July. And so we like <laughs> to bring a bunch of frog legs to it and fry them up. And then after that, it kind of fizzles out like we we don't we don't over hunt the ponds that we have access to just because um, it takes seven years for these frogs to get fully mature and like the big ones. And so oh, wow. if we go and okay. kill all the medium-sized ones, we might be five years out before yeah. we have mm -hmm. mature frogs again. So we'll typically go like two or three nights and get get our limits, and then yeah. we just shut it down for the year. Yeah, cool. But yeah, I think the yeah. season's like over a month long, but Sweet. we never go that long. That's pretty cool, man. Um, for those of you that are, that are listening right now, we're, we're recording this on the uh, – uh, canada day fourth of july long weekend yeah just kind of cool yeah it's it's like you guys planned it yeah i know it's <laughs> like we're just talking about relevant stuff now all my buddies actually i've been my phone's been over here vibrating blowing up everyone's trying to figure out if i'm going to come out again tonight um they <laughs> they're all out there the sun just went down here and so oh, they'll man. probably normally we give it about a full hour before uh, after sunset before we go out because they're not super active until it's really dark out yeah um, but yeah dark. it's it's just another weird thing man we picked the strangest hunting seasons to go all in on frogs <laughs> and doves man it's yeah. just i feel like we have more people show up to those than we do for deer season that's crazy <laughs> that's sweet well a couple things that i want to do too that you guys do a lot south of the border is the frogs and I'd love to like, I haven't traveled on the East coast down South at all. And I, our East coast at all. And I'd love to get in like a crawfish boil or something like that down there oh, too. Dude, that'll change your world, man. Yeah. Crawfish I've... boils and, and gator. Like, I mean, typically if you go down to Louisiana or if you get in with some Louisiana boys, they'll do crawfish boils. They'll do catfish and gator and we, we did it one year for work. I was out in Colorado and they put on it. We had some law enforcement officers come up from Louisiana and they brought it up like 250 pounds of crawfish. Nice. And they taught me, I had never done it before. And they taught me all about how to break it open. And then like you suck the brain juice out and you <laughs> eat the meat from the tail. Uh, and holy cow, man, I bet you I ate it. This is definitely exaggerating, but it felt like I ate 10 pounds of crawfish and it was kidding, so yeah. good. Yeah. And yeah, that's one of my favorite meals now, but being in the center of the United States, you don't get good crawfish boils very often. Hard to get the fresh stuff. Oh man. One thing I'm excited about this weekend, um, one of our neighbors is in the air force and he's actually out on the East coast right now. And I think he's flying home either tomorrow or Sunday. 
with fresh lobsters from the East Coast. Oh, man. And we're doing lobster dinner on Sunday night. Pumped about that. Just just keep talking about food, man. I'm just No, I think I think so. We're celebrating the fourth of July on the third this year just because it's still on the weekend. And uh more <laughs> excuse me, more people can come out. Um, but I'm definitely eating whatever I want. I'm like, when yeah. we're talking about freedom, you better believe I'm gonna eat whatever I feel like. Yeah, so. exactly. Cheat day. Yeah. yeah. We're gonna have to uh, chase. We're gonna have to send him a pack of that, like catch and cook for him to try on his frog legs. Yeah, we, that's uh, a good idea, man. One of our really good buddies is. I don't know if you've heard of catch and cook, but he started catch and cook with a, another local fisherman from Canada, and um, unreal like batter. We put it on everything, but we'll have to send you a pack so you can try it out. Oh, absolutely, man! I'm all about it. Nice. Oh, I just yep. I, I want to eat so bad right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's get off the food topic quick. And before we like, kind of, I don't know when you guys want to wrap this up, but I do have one question. I was kind of burning to ask you, Dan. Yeah. Um, it's not really a well, it kind of kind of is a hunting and fishing question or whatever you want to call it. But um, before we, I think we started recording, you kind of talked about some of the other stuff you've been doing. Um, talked about how you got into hunting and what you're hunting now but like why a podcast like what made you think or what gave you the itch to record what you thought or what other people think and and present it to people like where'd that all come from for you um i started listening to podcasts a while back i listened to mark Kenyon and the wired to hunt podcast um him and his co-host dan johnson they did a great job just talking about different whitetail hunting opportunities specifically um, talked about gear, talked about strategy and tactics and really informed me of how many different ways there are to go about chasing after whitetail. And then, uh, I got fully caught up on that at one point. So then I switched over to the meat eater podcast, started listening to that. And I was like, man, this is amazing. Like these guys just talk to other people like that's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just, I mean, obviously they have a lot more into the business than just having conversations, but I was like, that seems really cool. And I'd like to do that. And typically once you get me on the hunting or fishing topic, you can't shut me up. So I was like, it seems like a good fit. Right. <laughs> and, uh, my wife, she got sick of me talking about doing it. And she's like, either buy a microphone or shut up. Like <laughs> I I'm, I'm sick of you saying you're going to do it and you haven't done it yet. And so I was like, all right. So I did. Um, and initially I I, I was like everybody else, you know, I'm going to get like the biggest name people on the podcast. I'm going to have, you know, the Steve Vernellas and the Randy Newbergs and the Cam Haynes and the Joe Rogans. And like, I'm going to talk to all these people. And then I realized that's going to be really difficult to get some of these people on my podcast. And I was like, also they're here. Everybody already hears from them all the time. You get on social media. If you're a hunter, it's popping up on your page. Um, if you already listen to podcasts, you hear their, their names and their voices all the time. And so I, my wife and I were brainstorming and it was like, what if we just have everyday people on? Because I enjoy talking to them just as much as I would enjoy talking to anybody else. And so mm -hmm. we put some feelers out there and that first weekend we had 500 emails come in about people Whoa. who wanted to talk. And I'm like, wow. I haven't even had 500 people listen to my podcast at this point. And but yeah, we just posted some stuff on social media and that's kind of how it went. Just yeah. started having 
I mean, I, I've got plenty of other people that I've talked to, like in the podcast community or in the hunting industry, but I'd say the majority of people that I talk to are absolute no-name people outside of their hunting circle. Nobody knows who they are. Right. And it's so cool to hear their stories and hear how passionate they are and hear just the way that they go about it from the Northeast to the Southwest to Florida to Washington state and everywhere in between. Um, I don't know. I I've fallen in love with the idea of just giving a voice to everybody in the hunting mm -hmm. industry. And like, there's no wrong way to hunt unless you're doing it illegally or unethically. And mm -hmm. I want people to be open-minded to the different opportunities. And so that's kind of where it all kicked off and I'm just rolling with it now. It's weird that I'm like a podcaster. <laughs> How many years have you been doing it now, Dan? Uh, it's been probably like seriously about a year. I started okay. it, I think probably like a year and six, maybe a year and nine months ago. Okay. Um, but I took like a six month break in there somewhere uh, where I just didn't create anything. And so yeah. I don't really count that first part, but yeah, about a year full on. Right on. Yeah. It's funny how you kind of mentioned that about like guests and stuff. And I, I I'll maybe speak on myself personally. I don't want to speak for Chase or Tristan at all, but when we first started the podcast and it was like, we did a few episodes where it was just us like bullshitting, talking about stories. But then we like soon realized we're like, Man, we're like out of stories. Like we, we can't talk anymore about deer hunting because we've told all the stories. So then we started getting guests on. And to be honest, like we've, we've had guests from not trying to pump our own tires, but we've had guests from everything from like uh, retired athletes to biologists, to professional hunters, professional anglers. And to be honest, the best ones, man, are the, are the, you know, your neighbor, or the, some guy that you didn't even know hunted that lives 20 miles away and yeah. tells his elk story and we just like and our and that episode will blow up right and and i mean of course there's a lot of local people that listen to that too right but it, it's crazy how much people just want to hear a story rather than like oh i know joe rogan fucking lifted a hind off of an elk onto his shoulder and walked it out like i already yeah. know i already know he did that already you know what i mean yeah so yeah it's pretty cool and like getting together with you and listen to your stories and some of the ways you hunt. Like these are the reasons why I like podcasting, you know? Yeah. Just like talking to anybody. Yeah. It gives you, uh, I mean, for me personally doing a lot of hunting in Manitoba, I don't really get to see a lot of other, the other like cultures and the, well, the culture of hunting in other areas, you know what I mean? And it doesn't, you get to have these conversations with other people and you, you really get to see and hear about, you know, just how things are done differently. And then some of, some of that stuff you can apply to your own, put that in your own kit. Right. Yeah. But uh, man, just connecting over hunting stories, like we always say has, has been like something that, you know, people have been doing it for since people have been around, you know, yeah. telling hunting stories pretty much. So <laughs> It's, it's pretty sweet that, uh, that we can get to do it Yeah, absolutely. Over, over this now, especially because like COVID really pushed us to, to go to the, we, we tried at the start to have every conversation in person and, uh, COVID was kind of a good thing. Cause now we, you know, adopted the, the zoom platform, opened up our guest library. And now here we are chatting with you in Missouri and we're, Sheldon's in Northern Manitoba right now and I'm in Southern Manitoba and we're still able to, you know, have this conversation without a hiccup, which yeah. is awesome. 
Yeah, that's really sweet. And man, I want to, I mean, we're, we're sitting around an hour and a half now. Um, if you're like me, we could probably talk for another hour and a half. Um, but and you gotta go catch some frogs. I yeah. Know, right. I got it. Well, I got to convince the wife first. Um, <laughs> now the, I want to thank you guys for hopping on for reaching out and dude, I, I love this man. I love connecting with other people. Like we would have never met each other or, or heard each other's story or, you know, now you guys are going to be getting pictures of dead frogs and stuff from me. So, uh, yeah, uh, send away, I, man. I love that the platforms allowed us both to do this and connect with other people. So for real though, yeah. if you guys are ever down in the States, if you're looking for a season or a certain type of hunt that you want to get on, let me know. And any way I can help, I will. Same way, same thing back your way, dude. And, uh, I think, you know, we should definitely link up again on the mics maybe like after hunting season or something and do like a recap and and get some stories going again yeah we'll yeah. see if your uh fear of mice has subsided yet and uh <laughs> don't hold that over me <laughs> I, I like it man I, I, yeah I, i'm afraid of the predator of the mouse and you're afraid of the prey of the snake so i there mean i don't think one's any greater than the other <laughs> exactly yeah this um this is kind of like what we do actually in our in our ending of our podcast kind of call it the round table final thoughts but i i'll just i just want to kind of end off where my final thought of the night i guess would be i'm kind of echoing what you guys are saying but i really really appreciate like-minded people and getting to to talk to them from wherever they come from whatever their background is um and kind of like you said as long as you're doing it legally and ethically i mean we're always going to have something to talk about so thanks a lot for for doing this first of all and it's going to be kind of cool when we do throw it out there um that it's going to be going to your your listeners to our listeners and and hopefully we become you know maybe a little bit closer of a community although we're from different countries different parts of the world but it'd be cool to uh to connect again and and yeah like getting onto another podcast in the future i think is definitely something we should do and keep doing what you're doing dan because like i said i've followed you on tiktok on social media i listen to a few of your podcast episodes and stuff like that. Just keep doing what you're doing because uh, I think we need more people like you out there. I appreciate that a lot, man. Together, man. What, uh, so Dan, before we wrap this up for the people that are listening to the, the Panorama podcast here, why don't you just remind everybody your handle and uh, where to find you? Yeah, so you can find um, the Nomadic Outdoorsman social media pages at the nomadic outdoorsman on all platforms. Um, same with searching it for listening to the podcast. Um, and then I've got a second podcast now called the Western rookie, um, the Western rookie on all platforms. Thankfully both names hadn't been taken on anything. So I didn't have to throw any weird symbols in there. Um, but yeah, I'd appreciate you coming. We make a lot of silly hunting content for, especially for married people. Uh, if you're, if you have a significant other and you're a hunter, you'll probably relate to a lot of this stuff. Um, dude, dude, that your, your content gets shared almost daily to uh, some of our group chats. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good, man. I don't, I don't ever want to be labeled as a TikToker, but, uh, I have had fun with it. I've got to say, I didn't think I would. And it's been, it's been enjoyable. Uh, what about you guys for our listeners? Um, where can, where can they go and find you guys? Same thing, man. Panoramic outdoors across the board. Just search it, and then uh, yeah, 
any anywhere where you find your podcast, you'll find the Panoramic Outdoors podcast as well. Yeah, and same same thing too. We also produce a second podcast called uh, Unbound Collective, but it's hosted by April Willis. So if anybody's, it's a, it's basically uh, Chase. Help me, I'm kind of losing words here, but basically focused on women and women in the outdoors. So nice. she hosts it, and she has uh, women guests, and where they can, you know, it's just uh, another platform to. If you want to hear another outdoors podcast, there's another one for you. Yeah, she has a lot of great conversations on there, so check that one out for sure. That's awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much, and uh, we'll be in touch. Good luck this season, and hopefully, we can do some season follow-up episodes and and hear all about it. Likewise, man. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. That was really fun. I had a great time chatting with Chase and Sheldon and to hear all about what they do up there, to see how they podcast in a different way than how I do it. I love the question deal. It's a really good icebreaker and it takes up a good amount of the show. So I feel like that could be something that maybe we see coming through the Nomadic Outdoorsman or the Western Rookie here soon. But I do want to give a huge shout out to the boys from Canada, Chase and Sheldon. Thank you guys so much for joining me. And uh, I feel like we're going to have to do this again sometime because I had a good time. But hopefully you guys are getting food plots in, getting ground prepped for them right now. Whatever you have going on. Me, I don't have a whole lot going on in the outdoor space right now. I mean, I've got a lot of trips coming up this fall. I'm kind of preparing for some of that. But... As far as getting out and prepping food plots, getting land ready for the fall, I'm not able to do a whole lot of it right now because my wife is currently, as I'm recording this, she is having contractions like seven minutes apart. And we've been on baby watch for quite a while now. Um, Lots going on in my life, but I will fill you in. I'm looking at a new rifle system and I really hope I get it. I... I'm nerding out about it. It's the type of thing where every free moment that I have, I'm watching YouTube videos, I'm looking at ballistics charts, I'm watching reviews or getting on the manufacturer's website and looking at specs because this could be like the, not the end all rifle, obviously. I'm always going to buy more and more and more. But I think this could be my super long range, really big game weapon of choice. So... I'll keep you guys updated on that, but until next time, get out there, always choose adventure, and God bless.